Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Thank you, Mr. Kelly, and I won't interrupt you with any kind of stupid questions or anything because I know you're running the whole newsroom, so, man, that guy's got some skill. And, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. You'll get in line with your questions, concerns, or comments. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. You can give a call. We can talk about plant selection, ups and downs and all arounds. How are your annuals doing? How about your summer bulbs? How about the edibles? How Your garden, is it doing okay? A lady right down the street from me, I walked past her house many times during my pre-dawn walks. Her, she always has had great luck with her vegetables. But this year, I forget which you know, variety of plant it was. But it imploded. It was really kind of sad to see. How's your ground covers doing? How about your house plants? Start looking at them kind of closely. You're not going to bring them in yet. It's not necessary. You got to. You can always wait until towards the end of mid to late September to bring them in. But start watching for insects or disease problems. How about your lawn? Your zoysias should be still looking spectacular, except it's been so dry. Your cool season lawns, they still may be kind of limping along. So perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, or water gardens. How about vines as well? I'll share my thoughts, but please remember remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. James is producing today, and during the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. We come to your home, we, you know, I take a look at a list of problems or concerns that you have. Also, I look around to see if there's other things impacting your landscape that maybe you haven't considered. This walk and talk, yeah, I can do it. Uh, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage will have my email address and phone number listed. Contact me and we'll go from there. And now, uh, special recognition for individual group or as... A situation that's made an impression on me is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to everybody in this entire region as we have battled this really hot circumstance. And, I mean, there are still some spectacular yards and plants and everything else. Everybody's had some kind of problems with their yard. There's no getting around it, whether you got professional help or not or whether you're doing it all yourself. So the tip of the trial goes out to everybody that gets out there and really takes a look around, you know, tries to have a circumstance, a situation to make it better. So thank Thank you, because as I walk around or drive around, nothing's more enjoyable than checking out you know, other people's yards and everything else. There has been some spectacular things I have seen. So thanks to you. And um, let's see. Can we go ahead and take a call or two? Let's go to Josh, and Josh is in O'Fallon, Illinois. Hi, Josh. Good morning, Mike. How are you today? Very good. 
Got two questions for you. Um, first off, we bought our property a couple years ago, and it had a couple um, aged, mature walnut trees in the backyard. And I noticed that both trees have a bunch of, and when I Googled it, it looked like sapsucker holes, the lines, um, you know, up and down, right. all down. And the walnut trees, again, are beautiful, green, um, but aren't producing any walnuts whatsoever. Um, could that have been affected by whatever happened to them earlier? No. The sapsuckers, they're smart enough. They want the sap. So they're not going to ever, even though you may see hundreds of holes on, you know, I have them on my, the sugar maples in our, you know, as our street trees. They come, they do a hole about a quarter inch or a little bit less, and they're usually four or five across. You know, I mean, these birds are. Yep. And so consequently, that should not impact the actually walnut production of your tree or anything else. So, I mean, it doesn't impact the maple squirts being produced or sycamore balls or sweet gum balls or anything else. So it's just a question of the trees maybe age-wise or something along that line. But then you know walnut trees or most nut trees have years where they go big as far as production-wise, and then they could have a year or two where they go minimal. But if you had several years with no walnuts, then you're probably kind of at the end of their production life. Okay. Yeah, I have no idea how old they are, yeah. so I was just curious as if there was something I could do to kickstart them to start doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe a you know incantation, you know, or you know, yeah. under this red moon or whatever they're calling the moon right sand. now. Yeah. All right. And my second question: um, When we did uh, buy the property, we planted uh, a couple different fruit trees, and one of them was a, a gala or gala apple tree. Mm-hmm. And um, the leaves I've noticed here recently have spots all over them the yellow the the leaves are turning yellow and it's like a little circular raised area and again google's your friend i guess and for the best of our ability it, it maybe looks like they have what's called apple scabies or right. something like that right uh, i've read that neem oil is the best way to go about this is there some other better or sh- and also should i be re- re- removing all of those affected leaves or no, removing them is not going to make that much difference just you know start doing a preventative type thing you know, as the weather start, next year, before the new foliage, just as the new foliage is coming out, you can use a neem oil or you can use a, you know, a fungicide for, specifically for this problem. But there's not really anything that you can do right now that's going to make that much difference. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, and uh, thanks again for having the show. We love it. Sure. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Let's go to Jan's yard. Jan is in Sappington. Hi, Jan. Hello. Um, we have a problem with wild violets yeah it's i mean they are very 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 difficult to get under control so it's just going to be a a long involved process they're kind of like the nutgrass in a way the way they produce seed the flower will produce a seed but also right as where the stems of the leaf goes into the ground and runs into the crown there is a little head that's right there and so consequently, that little head that rises up produces seed there as well. So once you've got a well-established area, I mean, going after it is just going to be a long, involved process. I would say don't buy a huge amount of any kind of herbicide specifically. Try, you know, try small amounts of different ones and see which is the most effective in your yard and in your circumstance. But getting rid of the violets is going to be, like I said, unbelievably arduous. Well, they're all around, in addition to being in the lawn, they're all underneath our azaleas, in the gardens, everywhere this year. Right. Right. This was, I mean, when the weather goes, let's say, nasty, 
for many plants, things like weeds, like a violet, they thrive. So consequently, this is just, you know, then you're going to pay, let's say, the echo effect for multiple years after this to try to get them under control. Hmm. Just use something like spectricide. Right. Anything, you know, that read on the label, make sure it does list violets, but that doesn't necessarily make sure or and guarantee that you're going to get, you know, the kill that you need. So, like I said, just get small amounts of, you know, herbicides. Find out which is going to be the most effective in your situation. When's the best time to do that? In the fall? No, ASAP. Oh, okay. You know, you know and the unfortunate thing about doing it now is if the plants are older, they're going to have a waxy cuticle on the leaf. So that waxy cuticle is something that plants just evolve themselves to prevent them from the foliage or leaves from sunburning. So waxy cuticle means the herbicides are going to be a little bit less impactful because, you know, earlier in the year would be the ideal time. But I would say start on it now if you've got a major problem. Hmm. What about Roundup? Uh, Roundup, as long as you don't get it on, you know, good plants, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But with any type of herbicide, I always like to stomp on the things that you're going to right before you spray. And that way, by stepping on things, you open up wounds. And that kind of takes care of, let's say, or lessens the impact of the waxy cuticle and just opens up open wounds. And the herbicide can be sucked in a little bit easier. Hmm. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's going to be a very tough situation or circumstance. And you're talking so, years? <laughs> yes. Yes. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I've been, we've been in our house, let's say, 10 years in South City. And, you know, it was uh, nutgrass and violet farm, I think. You know, and consequently, I finally got about both of them down to about 90% under control. My, okay. All right. Well, thank you very yeah. much. And I do digging. I use herbicides. I do both. And uh, so. You pull them up. Pardon me? You can pull them up? Yeah, just use a weeding tool to make sure you get the entire root system. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And I'll see if we can get another call before we go to break. Uh, Tony is in Arnold. Hi, Tony. Uh, hi, Mike. I have two questions for you. I have a fescue blend yard, and we do a pre-emergent. We always aerate and seed, and it looks like some Bermuda is taking over in some sections. Ooh. Is there anything I can do for that? You're, where the Bermuda is, you're just going to have to go out there with either a grass killer, spray it on there, or with Roundup. And if it's if you're worried about drifting from the spray, just paint the Roundup right onto it. But Bermuda is a very, very difficult, let's say, weedy grass to get under control. Okay. And um, second question is, is there anything I can do to help prevent a fungus, like the dollar spot fungus or anything? You know, for the most part, start early and watch, kind of keep a record of where you've seen it. There's not too much you can do now. You can put a fungicide down now. That may keep it from getting, you know, let's say, you know, expanding even that much more. But know that you can be spread around by people's feet, animals' feet, squirrels and dogs and things like that, your mower blades. So just watch out. But next year... Take a look at where you've had a history of dollar spot. Go out there with a fungicide before you see the dollar spot at all. That's the best way to get it under control. It's, you know, to start be, you know, as a proactive preventer as opposed to a post, you know, post-emergent circumstance. Okay. Hey, back to the fescue real fast. If 
so if I spray the Roundup on there, is that going to that's going to kill all my grass too? Is that what I have to do? Yeah, for the most part, okay. if you if you want to get rid of the Bermuda, just you know, let's say white, you know, put something around it so it doesn't get on your good grass. But if it's mixed in with your let's say your fescues, then you there's not really too much you can do. There's nothing that's going to be selective enough just to get rid of the Bermuda. Do I have to take care of the soil, get rid of the soil as well, and change that out? Or? No, you don't have to. Okay, thank you. Yep. Yeah, and the Bermuda birds love it for making nests, so that's what happens. So why don't we take a break? Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. I'll bet you like pizza. Well, let me tell you, KMOX and Feast Magazine have teamed up to present the Battle of the Slices on August 16th, a heated competition for fans to decide what is the best pizza place in St. Louis. For more information, check out the event calendar at KMOX.com. Now let's go back to the phones. Let's head to High Ridge and go into Gary's yard. Hi, Gary. Hi, Mike. Hey, I had a quick question for you. Uh, out on my deck, I got one of those Venus fly traps, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sitting out there one evening, and uh, a fly lands, so I whacked it with my fly swatter, and I thought, oh, what the heck. And I put it in, like, one of his little mouths or whatever you right. call it. Is that okay to, like, do that or not? Well, it's okay. I mean... They're, I mean, the chan- they don't need a whole lot of them, so if you start swatting and killing a bunch of flies, just don't, you know. Because it's kind of cool to see the thing close up. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, really fast. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, I don't know if you know the movie, but the you know where there's the Venus flytrap saying, feed me, feed me. <laughs> yeah, not- that was a great one, right. Exactly. <laughs> But, you know, they don't need a whole lot. It's just most of their energy is coming actually because they're a plant. That just kind of supplements them a little bit. But, yeah, it's, like I said, it's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, and then, like, uh, uh, how about watering the thing? Like, uh, it was sitting out on deck, and we got the the big deluge of rain Mm -hmm. last week or whatever. Uh, Should I? I water it like once a week or no, just, you know, routinely watered. I'm assuming, is it in potting soil? Is it in like more of a moss type thing? Oh, it's in like potting soil and a little. Yeah. I would say wait until the sides, the inside of the pot look. And once the potting mix starts shrinking away from the inside and you start to see a little gap watered at that time, because it's very, I mean, they're very easily overwatered. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, well, that and then if the thing is, like, gets like eight feet tall and tries to eat me, I'll let you know. <laughs> Take a picture, too, as it sort of starts yeah, yeah, consuming you. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yep, thank you. And now let's go to Highland, Illinois, and into Denny's yard. Hi, Denny. Hi, Mike. Hi. How are you doing this morning? Very good. Uh, two questions for you. First of all, is water grass. Is there any kind of, I don't know, killer of water grass that won't bother my grass? Yeah. If you're talking about nut grass, it's when it feels triangular when it's going into the ground. It has chartreuse leaves. So No, I, I do have nut grass as well, and I do have uh, something that it does work for that. But I, this is water grass, or maybe it's called Johnson grass. Oh, no. There's nothing that's specifically going to target that against other types of grasses. 
Okay. So yeah, that's an unfortunate thing. I mean, that that's sort of in the same you know same circumstances, the crabgrasses and things along that line. It's just you should you know use a pre-emergent, and that's going right. to be the you know the most effective way to get it under control. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I, I was afraid you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> secondly, I have a we have part of our landscaping here that we're going to redo this fall, mm-hmm. and uh, it's. Uh, it has ground cover. It has ivy in it right now, and we want to we want to remove the ivy. And uh, should we kill that this uh, fall with Roundup and not plant anything new until next spring? Is that the right route to go? I would say put your mower low, you know, low. Go over the ivy right now and start doing the applications of Roundup. You can kill it off now, or at least get okay. it sort of tumbling downhill. Okay, and then should we still wait till next spring to plant some new bushes and things like that? Well, you know, it'd be whatever, you know, plants that you're planning on doing, but just realize that you're probably not going to kill all the ivy off, you know, all at once. So it, you know, just, you know, get it going. And once it gets under, starts to get under control, then you can go ahead and, um, you know, you see new sprigs coming up, then go after it again with the roundup. And how old is this, you know, how old is the ivy? Oh, it's probably 20 years old. You might think about using the Roundup for killing poison ivy and woody plant material. That might be better uh, than just the regular, you know, Roundup. Okay. But if you, do, if, you do mow it, yeah, if you do mow it, that's going to help because you're opening up wounds and everything else on your plant material. Right. Okay. Very good. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Appreciate your help. Yep. And should we take another call before break? Yeah. Let's go to Alan in Alton. Hi, Alan. Uh, good morning, Mike. Uh, is nutgrass and watergrass the same? You know, common names are really tough. If it's, you know, like this gentleman just said, he says he has nutgrass, but he has watergrass as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's tough to know what watergrass is. I always assume, you know, watergrass is nutgrass because it does like wetter areas, but it doesn't have to have it because it's, you know, it can grow in really dry areas as well. So it's probably not the same thing. Okay. Uh, it, it grows almost overnight. Uh, when you mow the, mow the grass, uh, it, it's already uh, the next day it's, it's growing, and, and I'm looking at it right now. It's, uh, you know, eight inches in my yard. Yikes. And mowed, yeah, and I mowed uh, <laughs> uh, in less than a week. So now, is this a chartreuse-colored nutgrass, or is this a, the watergrass? Well, I think this is the watergrass. It's uh, it's a green, yeah, uh, um, like a shiny green. Yeah, so it's, you know... It's, just, it's probably an annual type of grass, and so a pre-emergent is going to be your better way to go you know, about it. I don't know, exa- again, exactly what this is, mm-hmm. but if it is a warm-season weed, then the pre-emergent goes down when the forsythia is in bloom. Uh-huh. Okay. So, <laughs> wait till spring. Yeah, exactly. Early, you know, late, very early spring. That's when you put the pre-emergent down. If you've got big patches of the same thing, I don't see anything wrong with just treating those patches with, you know, like a Roundup type thing or a grass killer. Just make sure you don't overspray the spot because you don't want to damage your good lawn. Okay. Thank you very much for your help. Yep. Thank you for calling. 
Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Ready for the Cards and Cubs this afternoon. Amron Total Access 210. First pitch with Shannon and Rooney 305. Hear it here on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, a lot of weed calls today, but also there's a lot of insects out there as well. There's mealybugs, there's aphids, there's thrips, there's mites, there's red clover mites, there's slugs, Japanese beetles. We have had a couple bagworm calls. White fly, scale, grasshoppers. I don't know why in my yard, you know, our garage goes along the alley. And the only place I have grasshoppers is in that bed space. It's about, uh, you know, the length of the garage, maybe 20 or plus feet or something, and about three or four feet wide. But, man, the number of grasshoppers in there is just driving me nuts. And so I go out there, I spray. That drives the grasshoppers up onto the garage wall, and then I squeeze them. (laughs) That's what I decided to do with the grasshoppers. Also, grubs. Grubs are going to be very active this time of year. So if you think you potentially have a grub problem or you go out and all of a sudden you pull on some sod and it lifts up and you see some grubs more than six per square foot, you got grub problems, put the grub killer down like GrubX or something along that line because they're up near surface now, they're eating, and then what's going to happen is they're not going to morph into adults this year. They're going to go back down in the ground deeper and consequently, then the grub X and, you know, chemicals like that are not as effective. So get them, you know, get a grub control down now or find out if you do have a grub problem and apply the grubs. And please remember that just because you have grubs doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have moles or moles are not there because of the grubs. Moles, their main diet is earthworms. The grubs are strictly appetizers, just like millipedes, pill bugs, centipedes and all the rest of those things so grubs do not necessarily mean that you're going to have moles so let's go now to darnell in university city hi darnell how you doing very good okay i have several questions i have about a 15 foot magnolia tree Mm -hmm. It, it has never bloomed now is it the evergreen type uh so in other words, so it's, the leaves stay on it through the entire winter time. Correct. So it may be an age factor. It has never bloomed. Yeah, but 15 feet is not necessarily huge. But are you pruning on it at all? No. Okay, so then it's just a matter, and it's in full sun. Uh, no. Oh, well, that may be either one of the, you know, the full sun could be some one of the factors that's impacting, the let's say, the bud set. So don't do any pruning. Don't do anything. And uh, if you get disgusted with it, just get rid of it. Well, it's, it's really, it, it grew up under a 50-foot oak tree. Oh. Well, you know, so that's going to be, pro- you know, the major impact on probably not being able to have enough energy, even though the foliage looks good and full size and everything else and is 15 feet high, to be able to set flower buds. Because that's, you know, the oh, evergreen okay. type bloom in the summer, so now is the time of year when it would have flowers on it. So if it's not if it's not flowering, it's got to be the location where it's growing. Oh, so just cut it down? Right. Okay, I have... Uh, a Japanese maple, mm-hmm. it, it won't grow. Again, it's if... In the ground, 
about six years. Yeah, so again, if it's too close to larger trees, they can almost do like a Japanese bonsai, which is where they grow full-size trees in little bitty dishes. Because if there's existing trees close to this Japanese maple, the existing tree could have root systems that are more or less strangling the Japanese maple root system, and that prevents any kind of growth. There aren't any trees at all. It, uh, there's some uh, uh, ground cover and some. It's in a flower bed. Okay, so then you know why it's not growing. Is it one that has very? Does it look like an umbrella? Yes. So that one will never get any taller. It will only get wider. It's not even getting wider. So does the foliage look okay? Oh, uh, right now it's not even red. It's kind of orangey. Yeah. So some of the varieties are going to do that. Some of them will start maroon and then they'll kind of go back to green. And then later on, you know, when the weather comes. So as long as it looks healthy, that's about all you can expect out of it. Okay. Uh, I have fescue. Tall fescue, zoysia, uh, bluegrass in my front yard. Mm-hmm. And maybe about a month ago, in the in the uh, tall fescue part, which dominates the area by the driveway, I see some uh, curly grass. It looks is that Bermuda? It certainly could be if it's kind of a, a more of a blue green rather than a dark green. Yeah, it kind of it came it came and spread real quick. Right. So a bird probably dropped it. It may be sort of let's say getting itself accelerated over the last year or two, and then it exploded this year. So what do I do? Can, will weed and feed take care of it? No, weed and feed will not do a thing for it. Weed and feed kills broadleaf weeds. It does not kill any kind of grass. So if it's a big patch of the, you know, of this grass, you can go out there and spray Roundup on it to try to get it or use a grass killer, but just make sure you don't get it on your good grass. Okay, they have Roundup that won't hurt uh, good grass, don't they? No. What? No, not that I know of. So I saw something like that. Well, maybe there is, and I'm just not familiar with it. And I haven't used it, so I hate to say something, use something, if I haven't personally used it myself. Okay, I got a blue spruce. It turned brown. That's dead. So either weather-wise or, you know, something, you know, so it's a goner once it's brown. Okay. So you're going to have to remove Uh, it. I got a, in my front yard, uh, there was a a big spot I used Roundup on. Mm -hmm. And after about three weeks, the grass started Growing into the spot, then there's something there that looks like grass and it's a weed. And it's it's uh, light green. That's and probably the is- nutgrass that we've been talking about. So, Darnell, I mean, I'm going to have to go some, uh, to some, some other caller. So dig up th- something that you're not sure of what it is and take it to your favorite garden center. So thanks, Darnell. And now right, let's thanks. go to Doris and Lee May. Hi, Doris. Yeah, hi, Mike. Hi. Hey, Mike, I have a a peony bush. It's about 25 years old, and every year it's been beautiful, blooming, big flowers and Mm -hmm. everything. This year it bloomed, and then the flowers dried off, you know. Right. After that, all the leaves got like a white, it looks almost like a white bush now. 
and all the leaves are drying up and crinkling. What it, do you think that is? It's probably powdery mildew. So next year, just as the, let's say, the foliage comes up out of the ground and looks like that hand coming up, yeah. you know, start an application of a fungicide. A fungicide. Right. Okay, and then that should take care of it. Right. So you, it's not just one application. You're probably going to have to make a couple applications until the foliage comes completely up and starts to open. That would be when your last application of the fungicide will occur. Okay, so should I just leave it go now? I don't need to cut it off. No, anything. I would cut it off because if you don't, then you're going to be looking at it and it's going to be worrying you. Yeah, it's really ugly. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, yeah, so thank go, you, Mike. Yeah, just cut it down to the ground. Right, okay, very good. Thank you. Yep. And if anybody else has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Don and Arnold, how are you? Hello, Don. Don's not there? Okay. So let's go to Rick in St. Louis. Hi, Rick. Yeah, how you doing, Mike? Very good. Hey, uh, I've got uh, beautiful tomato plants, and I've got... Uh, different varieties. Um, I some of my uh, buds were falling off, so I got some of that uh, spray form, and uh, I have multitudes of small tomatoes on the top, nothing in between, and it's the first I've been gardening for thirty years. Mm-hmm. And they look about the size of golf balls. I don't know whether this is the old weather-related or they're going to enlarge. But uh, have you any idea what's going on? It could be weather-related. Are you keeping them well-watered and fertilizing them routinely? So they need tomato food basically every two weeks, and they need to be— tomatoes don't like to go through any kind of drought stress whatsoever. So that's probably in, in conditions with the weather conditions that we've had, that's probably impact, you know, impactful as much as anything. I bought the uh, tomato uh, fertilize, uh, fertilizer, mm-hmm. and uh, when I planted it, I put it in as I planted. But now I still have some. Now, do, do, you can't just throw it on the ground and hope that the rain takes it in. You have to around the diameter of the plant. Right. So you can buy a powder type that you mix in a bucket of water and just pour it on. Or if you uh, have a granular type, then you have to water it in yourself. Oh, uh, uh, and what do you mean by watering it? Taking a hose, after you sprinkle the fertilizer, taking oh. a hose over there and water it so it starts penetrating yeah. into the ground. Yes, I did do that. Okay. I did do that. So, so I guess I, I need to do that. I have one more question. I go out and spray the liquid uh, spot spray, like Oxialis and um, what is that, Nutheads? That, that Nutheads, like right. Nutheads. And when I kill it, who moves in but the crabgrass? Right. It's a constant <laughs> battle. I mean, every you know, there's a weed sitting there waiting to jump into any kind of circumstance. <laughs> any bare ground. Right, exactly. Oh, 
boy, it's been a terrible year for this is worse year than I know of for crabgrass. Yes, it is. Crabgrass and spurge, it's been really been terrible. So thanks, it's Rick, part- and uh, we'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. We've got about eight more minutes of the Garden Hotline. Then at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Andy Smith and Bob Richards. 11 o'clock, the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. 1 o'clock, Baseball Hall of Fame Special with Bob Costas. So let's go to the phones. Carol lives in Kirkwood. Hi, Carol. Hi. Um... I have a question about creeping Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my unfortunately, my yard is about no eighty ninety percent creeping Charlie, <laughs> and yeah, so I can't afford to replace the whole thing. And um, I think the only thing that'll really kill it is dicamba. Maybe that will certainly work, but then you're gonna have um, a bare yard. Okay, um, but my other thought is, call me crazy, um, I don't, I kind of like that I don't have to mow much, and um, I'm wondering if just leaving it as as long as I uh, keep it out of my neighbor's yards, which I have an idea how to do that, um, you know anyone that's ever done that? Yes, my father. We had a home. We moved from the city to Ellisville in 55. You know, some of the out there, his philosophy was if it's green, that's fine. So we had a mixture of all kinds of different things in our yard. Some of the neighbors went, you know, they wanted traditional lawns. But my father said, I'm not wasting my time. How'd that work out? Well, it was fine. I mean, we got to, you know, we got Clatonia. We had other things, you know, coming up in the yard. Wildflowers, you know, low. There was violets. There was all this stuff. And, you know, as a kid, I, I, I cut the grass. I didn't really care. So that's kind of what it looked, you know. I mean, that was the circumstance. Okay. So do you think if I have uh, a, a brick mow strip on one side of my yard, mm-hmm. if I do the three sides, because the Creeping Charlie seems to, It'll grow over it, so it's really easy to pull back right. away from my neighbor's yards. Right. So I was thinking if I just inserted um, some kind of vertical barrier and then put the mow strips on the other two sides, that my neighbors wouldn't hate me? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. They may hate you for other reasons. But you will you know, <laughs> get it under control, but you're just going to have to watch it. Don't expect the edger to keep it, you know, you know, let's say, confined. I was just trying to, to prevent the underground. Right. The over, it's easy to pull out. Sure, right, exactly. So, yeah, give it a shot. All right, because I, if with the dicamba, um, is it a hundred percent kill or? Well, there's nothing that's going to be a hundred percent kill, to be honest, because there's All always right. going to be fragments that don't don't get you know, let's say enough of the chemical on them or whatever it happens to be. So, right, and then uh, last question, real quick, is I also last year got some. Um, mugwort, which I'm definitely trying to keep at bay. Um, is there a preferred thing to kill it? Uh, not that I can think of. Just head to your favorite garden center, tell them what you got, take a sample with them in case they don't know, and let them sort of decide okay. from all the chemicals they have. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Yep. And now let's go to Florissant. Andrea, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Mike? Very good. Um, I have a question about um, 
we have zoysia grass, mm-hmm. and our front yard is really good. But our backyard all of a sudden started getting, like, other grass in it. And then, like, last year, I mean, it has areas that are just completely dead. I mean, there's a little bit of zoysia trying to start growing, but I don't know how to get it to start growing again or what happened. Well, you should probably have a lawn service come out and take a look at it. You know, contact the lawn doctor, have them come and look, find out if this is fungus, if this is insect-related, because there's chinch bugs, which have been doing major damage to some of the zoysia lawns. And so it could be the age of your, you know, the age of your zoysia as well. So several different factors could be playing a role. And so rather than just sort of like trying to figure it out yourself, I'd get a professional to come out and take a look. Right. Now, the age of zoysia, what is that? Because it's, I, it, we've had that grass. We moved in there when I was 10, so it's <laughs> definitely old. So, I mean, it could just be an age factor. I mean, you haven't replugged it or anything probably through that whole time. So, I mean, it's just like everything gets exhausted ultimately, whether it's a couch, a car, or anything else, or people. Gotcha. Can you buy zoysia plugs, or do you have to take them out of, like, your front? No, no, you can buy them. You can buy pieces aside. You can buy the plugs both. Okay. All right, well, I appreciate your help. Thank you so much. Yep, so Lawn Doctor, give them a call or go to lawndoctor.com. Joanne in St. Charles. Joanne, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for our show. I have a question about my cherry tree. It's not a weeping cherry tree. It's just the regular kind. Mm -hmm. Some of the leaves have, like, brown dots on it. It's a big tree because I've had it now for about 15 years. So is there something wrong with it, do you think, because the leaves have, like, little browns, not little, uh, like, brown spots on some of the leaves? Yeah, it's a fungus. And basically, if it's something that really bothers you, next year, just as the foliage starts emerging, that's when you want to start spraying a fungicide. And depending upon which fungicide you're using, you want to spray it and then wait for a week or two and then spray it again. You're probably going to have to make three applications. If I want to have it trimmed, I want to do that. When should I have it trimmed? Uh, If you like the flowers in the springtime, have it pruned right after it finishes flowering. So I shouldn't do it now this time of year. No, you're cutting off the flower. It doesn't matter. It's not going to hurt. You know, so consequently, you know, you can go ahead and do it. Okay. Uh, all right, because the, the, it's so it's beautiful tree, but it's getting getting so big. Right. And I, I'm afraid the limbs are going to break if we get a lot of snow or something this winter. They're probably not going to break, to be honest with you. They're pretty okay. tough. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for your show, and have a great day. Well, thank you for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. So Okay, bye now. Yeah, so I guess we're probably about finished. Sorry, folks. We're not going to be able to get to everybody, but, uh, you know, hopefully the Garden Hotline will be back. So Rich and Marianne and Tom and Candace and, you know, Joanne from Crevecore, sorry, we're just about out of time. So the weather's getting cooler, so now is the start the time to really get out there and take a look around at what's going on, get some professionals to come out and help you because this guessing game becomes really, really tough. You can see with the weather, we don't know. Hopefully the rain is going to come, and I'm going to mention it again. They're predicting rain for tonight, you know, after midnight or so. So water today to soften your ground so the rain tonight can so, you know, can soak in much better. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.